Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. My name is Ono Sullivan and today's guest on the show is Cork singer-songwriter Jack O'Rourke. He's just released the title track of his new EP, Ivory Towers, which is coming out at the start of March. And I'm delighted to say that we've got the piano version of the song which closes that EP. That's going to come up at the end of our chat, right at the end of the show today. Jack released his debut album Dreamcatcher in 2016 and he kind of hasn't slowed down since. I'm not quite sure where he found the time to write Ivory Towers, but uh, I I guess he found a couple of moments here, a couple of moments there. But uh, Dreamcatcher, he got to tour that around Ireland, uh, played some UK shows as well off the back of it, as well as that there have been some standalone singles that have been released as well. He did a single with DJ Cormac called New Day, which has about half a million YouTube views. And he's also played with an orchestra at the Right Here Right Now Festival in Cork Opera House. And he just seems like he's been having a great couple of years and that doesn't seem to be showing any sign of slowing down anytime soon. So I was really, really delighted to talk to Jack about his kind of journey to date and his songwriting chops and abilities and how that all came together on Dreamcatcher and on the new release as well. He's got a couple of tour dates coming up that he wasn't 100% sure about at the end of our chat, so I'll just read them here just so you know. He's playing the bars in Clannacilty on February 22nd if you're listening in time. He's playing the New Look Cypress Avenue for his Cork launch of the collection on March the 1st, Dolan's in Limerick on March the 8th, the INEC in Killarney on March the 9th with Cry Monster Cry, Roisin Dovin Galway on March 23rd, and then he's doing the Dublin launch in the Workman's Club on April 14th. So definitely go see Jack if you get the chance and go listen to that EP when it's out. The title track is out there as I say and you're going to hear the piano version at the end of our interview so let's just get straight to the interview shall we this is myself and jack talking actually it was recorded at the end of january so we're a little dated when we come to a certain pop superstar that we discussed towards the end of the chat so just so you know i have listened to the album that we talk about her releasing and you know i know it sounds a little bit dated now but you know, I'm, I'm on board. I'm on board. So this is myself and Jack O'Rourke chatting at the end of January in his gaff in Cork City. So tell me about Ivory Towers and what you've been up to in the past, like, two years since Dreamcatcher came out. Oh, two years. Um, basically kind of touring Dreamcatcher all up and around the country and a bit abroad as well, London and Paris. Um, but yeah, I got a lot of mileage out of that first album, which was great. Um, and I think because it was a bit of a, you know stylistically musically there was a lot going on you know i could play folk festivals or jazz festivals or rock festivals and you know no one would be kind of like going that's a bit mad why is he here because there was a lot of different stuff on it and somehow christian best made it cohesive um as a producer but um yeah just just touring that and then i suppose thinking about what's coming next in terms of writing and what what kind of songs would would follow that and then a lot of collaboration um i did some writing with marlene enright who I'm lucky enough to live with, and Hattie Webb from the Webb Sisters and Cormac. Lots of projects. There was a kind of a reworking of Thomas Moore songs with Lisa Lam. And then a lot of, I suppose, just, you know, 
benefit gigs. You know, I got to sing with Imelda May and Oliver and Lingo and um, the Hollows Flowers, John Armour Trading, you know, even Sinead O'Connor one. Like, just mad stuff. What was really. the Sinead O'Connor one? Yeah. That was, um, that might have been before Dreamcatcher actually, um, just in the opera house. Um, and it was it was backstage. It wasn't it wasn't live, but we but we were both talking about our mutual love of John Grant, and I harmonised with her, but I didn't ca- catch it on record. Ah, that must have been a nice kind of uh, moment as well. Yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah, she's really she just seemed really cool. Yeah, um, and seemed to be in a good place. Is kind of collaboration something that always teaches you something about yourself, or you always get something out of it? I think you have to. I, th- I think even people that are regarded as, you know, um, and they are, that, you know, stylist, st- st- um, a, a stylist, you know, that no one sounds like them, like Prince or Bowie or Kate Bush, but they're all taking stuff from everywhere, you know, from from working with other people. I think one of the best examples is um, is Emmylou Harris because she's harmonised with pretty much everyone, but she's constantly seeking out um, new voices and avenues. And then, you know, that, that comes into your own music then, whatever, whatever that is. You know, <laughs> uh, and and just kind of speaking about collaboration, I saw that you were doing something with Loa in at Other Voices in yeah. December. What was that? I, I wish I had been at Other Voices. I did, I was there the previous year. I didn't get to go yeah, this year. It was great. It was so nice to to get the church this year because you know I did it three years ago. Um, I did the trail, and I, that's where I met Hattie Webb actually. So yeah, it, it's just a great place to meet up with musicians, and and I suppose it's like a. Don't mean to sound negative, but it's like a, it's like the music music equivalent of AA in terms of gigging because you know it, it is hard to constantly. Um, I find the self promotion part really difficult. You know, just it's so navel gazing and in your own head. That's why I love teaching because you're outside of that. But when you meet like minded people like that who are all about you know furthering <laughs> their own songs, um, it's it's nice to have a good bitch about that. You know, and also sing obviously. Um, and I love Loa's voice, and she's just a really cool, authentic um, artist. And we were both working with Cormac on the equivalent exchange, and I loved her voice. And it was Christmas time, so I said, I'll do, I want to do River by Joni Mitchell. And I, I asked the, the organizers, can, can I get Loa to sing it with me? So we did it as a duet. So that might be on TV in February, I hope. Ah, so that was in the church, was it? Yeah. What's it like to play? You probably have to be like a little bit diplomatic in case the other other voices people are listening. <laughs> I, 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 they've been really good to me from day one, and I think, I think regardless of what's happening on the music scene, um, you know, with different trends and sounds and 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 uh, whether it's phases in the music industry, I think they just really also appreciate good songwriting and the craft of songwriting, and I think that's always true, regardless of who's on the lineup every year. There's always a few people who. Um, who have a craft, you know, and and I think that's because Philip King and Aoife are, are all about that, you know, despite it being so eclectic, it, 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 it's all about the music, it's all about trying to look for a look or a sound. So how did that collaboration work, it was you on piano and Loa, um, on, jo- on Joni Mitchell? <laughs> I think I was more Joni and she was James Taylor, no, I don't know, um, yeah, I, I grew up singing harmony, you know, so, and she's she was the same, and she's got so many different influences, even more than me, obviously. Because her, her dad is is from Sierra Leone, um, and she's really that's that's a huge part of who she is. But her voice is incredible, and she does a lot of R and B and folk. I suppose it's really inspired by her by by her African um, heritage. But she can really, I mean, for that she kept it really simple. And I mean, the beauty of her voice, 
So yeah, we we were both Johnny, I think, or, or trying to channel John Johnny. But our blend, I, I think, when you meet someone, and every two every voice is obviously unique. But when you're um, singing with someone, um, even if they're even if you love, sometimes it it doesn't work. More often than not, it works. But we we really blended well, I think. When does a collaboration not work? Like, is it like? Can you tell, or when have someone, you done when one so, when someone's being a dick? No. <laughs> <laughs> have you done one like you obviously don't mention any names, but like where you're just like us, we just don't have the right chemistry or something? Yeah, um, absolutely. And it might even be the song, you know, that you might have heard of. You might when you were writing a song, you might have heard a voice, you know. And often it's to do with range, you know, just in terms of whether someone's. I'm a baritone, so I have a low male voice. Um, I wish I was a tenor, but tenors work way better with sopranos so if i'm singing with a girl i wish i wish i could hit higher notes in my full voice so that could that could just be a thing or um i recently recorded with a friend of mine and she wrote a brilliant song and i always believed you know you, you can even sing a, an aria from an opera if you really love the song you'll you make it work somehow but I, I just couldn't um couldn't deliver for what maybe it was the key i don't know Tell me a little bit more about other voices. Did you stick around for the weekend? Did you see anyone anyone else good or who else was in the church playing with you? I did. I was... God, it's a bit of a blur that weekend. Cause, it always is. Yeah, and especially, I suppose, playing... The, I'd done the trail and, you know, as I said, the, Philip and Aoife and all the crew have been really good to me. And, and Chloe um, from Cork is always on sound and she just does an amazing job. We, we came down Saturday and just, you know, it's like interview, interview pre-recording meeting so it was it was just hectic all day and my band were all in panto or <laughs> I, I was texting him actually and i said are, are you in panties at the moment um and it's become this thing that like <laughs> spell check you know <laughs> so they were in panties and panto um not really but they yeah they were gutted they couldn't come because they've, they've been kind of on the road at me for two years davy and dave duffy and 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 uh, hugh dylan so i had to get really good um subs um, so it was cool. I did a lot of the the gig on my own, and then I had the band for the more current tunes. I didn't catch a lot of other stuff. Yeah, we we just ended up in in, in Benner's that night and drank a lot. And that's good. That's that's what happens yeah. in Dingle. But there is, you know, even collaboration ways. The next day, um, Scullion, Philip King's band, were playing in the D Skirt, which is the other church. It's got the original stained glass windows of um, about Saint Agnes, you know, on 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 the, on the eve. Which, which is in the Crawford at the moment. There's an exhibition about it. So his Scullion were playing with Sonny Condell. And I've, my dad grew up listening to Scullion, so they were like, hop on. So I, I joined in for a couple of songs. So that, ah, kind, wow. that kind of stuff always happens, you know. And Lowe was around. And yeah, an amazing young rapper called Jafaris, who, who's worked with Cormac too. Actually, working with Cormac just put me in touch with so many people outside of what, what I probably would ever do musically, you know. And I, I think working with Cormac would, would make me want to work with people like Bantam and, you know, uh, as I say, I'm not that rhythmically minded, but when I'm when I'm writing a melody over a track like that, it, it, it even inspires a different type of singing. That's really exciting. Uh, who's Who's Cormac? You mentioned him a couple of times. Cormac is um, K O R M I C. He's he's a really great electro producer composer, I suppose. And we've the same management, and we work. The guy who's looking after us is just really good at organizing kind of cross collaboration that might seem ludicrous you know in terms of two people how, how is that going to work but it does and he's been out there a lot yeah on the road kind of jazz and funk and and kind of swing inspired electro and he's he's playing actually the button factory on my birthday february 23rd i think um i'll be singing with him at that and um yeah we, we wrote this tune new day and and uh yeah it, 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 it was a great experience the the video was actually 
it's up on YouTube. It's a really cool music video, and it's going to make every video I do, you know, on my own with a limited budget look really shit. Because Tree paid for it to be made in in Africa with these street dancers on top of a train. So I don't think I'll, you know, try that myself. I don't never say never. Never, yeah. <laughs> so what was your set at Other Voices? Was it kind of a couple of tracks from the past and a lot from the future? You have a um, new, new yeah. EP, Ivory Towers. Yeah, I was, a bit, I was a bit self-indulgent. Well, I wasn't actually, because I, I mean, I didn't give people the obvious ones from, from Dreamcatcher. I obviously did Silence because that's probably my most personal song. Um, and I did that on the piano on my own. And I did, I did a track that's, it's the last track on my album. It's, it's called Small Stuff. And it's a, it's a really, it's a song I wrote, I suppose, and I was dealing with a lot of shit. And we worked it up kind of, it's a piano ballad on the album, but it's, it's kind of got potential to, to push somewhere else. So we worked it up with the band. We spent a lot of time on it. And, you know, I was kind of thinking in a Radiohead kind of zone. So that, that worked out really well live, kind of build, build, built and built and built. So they were the only two off off the first album. Did we do Naivety too? We might have done, yeah. Um, but it was cool to do maybe a track that you know is like the orphan on the album that doesn't get a lot of plays on radio because it's it's just it's long. It's about seven minutes long. But I asked them, "Is that cool?" And they're like, "Absolutely." Um, and then we did three new songs. I, I wrote a tune actually about Amy Winehouse, and I did that last because um, that was nice because. Uh, she she had played there, I suppose, you know. Yeah, she's so associated with the festival. Yeah, she is. And even Philip said like when she when she first when he first met her in Dublin, he she didn't even have a coat, like, you know. So it's really sad. So tell me about the new EP. It's it's like it wasn't long enough for an album. It wasn't No. You're you're almost afraid not afraid to call it, but uh hesitant to call it an EP because yeah. it's got six tracks on it. It does. It's got five, really. It's it's got a, I suppose, a radio version of Ivory Towers and then a piano version, and that's kind of become my thing. And maybe it's a bit lazy, but I think it's really important to, to show. And and some people prefer that side of me when it's just me and the piano. It's probably more folky. It's where every song starts, you know, regardless of how it's it's developed. And I can prefer that sometimes too, even with people that I love. Um, Jackson Brown wrote a song about Nico in the sixties called. Um, the Birds of St. Mark's. Someone called it out and it's on this acoustic live recent album and he plays it at the piano and he hadn't played it for like decades and it's so beautiful and it's on his new album as this kind of birds, jangly, kind of, you know, summer of love rock and it's just, it's so not as good as the piano version. It's nice when you have a song and, you know, some radio stations like, I don't know, South Wind Blows will play the piano version and then something, you know, on... on a more commercial station can play the pop version to give people the option. But yeah, it, it, so it starts with Ivory Towers and it finishes with it. How do you feel about Dreamcatcher a couple of years on? You Do you look back with pride yeah. at what you achieved? like, Or do you only see the kind of the, the stuff that you would change? A lot of artists feel that way. Yeah, about I, I probably done. would. I, I, I mean, it's got 12 tracks and there's a lot of stuff musically that, you know, like really? like There's a tune called Iggy, which is... I was even thinking of O Emperor when I was recording it. You know, it's got a really cool um, vocal effect that's just not characteristic of the rest of the album. And actually, came out in some of the reviews. The, the reviews were very positive, but I really I'm proud of Iggy because it's like the weird, ugly cousin on you know a lot of beautiful melodies. Again, Christian, I think made it really, really cohesive. There's obviously things I change, yeah, but I think from from where I was and my lack of experience, you know, it was self released and it did very, very well. And yeah, I am proud of it. 
I'm proud of silence as well, which is on it. And, and what I still get letters from people who who heard that song and around the time of the referendum, and um, they mightn't even be out yet, like lads in up the country in in their seventies, and even people who were going to vote no, and that that song did maybe change their perception because it wasn't like pussy riot, you know, as much as I love them shoving down the message down people's throat, of course you must think this way. What's what's fucking wrong with you, you know? Where it was just the story of me as a boy growing up and, and asking Santa for a kitchen. And I'm sure lots of heterosexuals do too, but it was my first indication that I was a little bit different. So I, I, I think because that resonated on, on a wave and beyond, you know, it wasn't a political statement or anything, but it, it did... I think make people think. Were, were you were you ever hesitant about like putting it on the album or kind of speaking out uh, in in the referendum campaign then or no, anything like that? No, I had to. I think it was just a great effort on not effort, but it was a great you know um, incredible collective that just went out there, cap in hand, door to door, and asked people to to vote for them to be allowed to <laughs> get married. You know, it seems so ludicrous now, but I think it's as a teacher. I mean, in school, you see kids coming out now in first year and. Their mates who play football, or they literally don't even bat an eyelid. They're just like, cool, you know. Wow. Yeah, it's great, you know, because like when I was in school, as you know, you were the same. I mean, and it's so fluid now. People don't want to be even be called straight or gay. A lot of people, it's just like whatever. It just wasn't. It wasn't spoken about even. I mean, teachers didn't speak about it. You know, so it's amazing. I think how how quickly things have changed. Yeah. No, like I mean, everyone just remembers like the sex ed classes or lack thereof in school yeah. like back in you have know, you seen that video from the 80s i think her name is angela she seems like a lovely lady but but my god it's weird to watch it now no i don't know she begins before she talks about the penis and the vagina she begins by praying praying to god for understanding and which is fine but like it's just very odd to watch now you know? <laughs> yeah i can imagine <laughs> um it must be nice kind of mixing up the music and like having literally the day job as a teacher mm. it's uh it's kind of a good mix you get yeah. your weekends off you get some time off during the year you get the summer off so to do yeah. the um music festivals mm. as well would it, would that be like good advice to someone young like if you're thinking of going think into music is. i think you think of becoming yeah, a teacher so, i know the only reason is just june july and august no, it's, um but it is great it does give you that time and it's hard to write when you're in a I suppose a routine of teaching and it is all consuming you know if you care and I think most teachers do but it, it, it probably is a really horrible job if you don't you know for both teachers and students I think I, I find it great as I said because um I, I, I'm not in a band I'm a solo artist and I mean I've loads of mates who are in the same position I'm, I'm doing the writing and you know bringing the songs to the table to my band so there isn't that kind of shared experience that maybe people like the altered hours have you know where, where there's a lot of collaboration so for that reason i'm always in my head which is great but sometimes it's a bit exhausting and a bit like jesus jack you know get over yourself so to go in and to work for other people is really cool you know it puts things into perspective is it a music t- you're a music teacher music in english yeah like i saw you at hard working class heroes and you're playing like one of the students or someone that you had taught yeah previously was playing <laughs> guitar with you yeah dylan he's he's, he's in a band called rowan he's in csm studying jazz composition he's amazing so yeah it's cool when when you you've taught people he took up piano in fifth year he was playing guitar that night but he he was better at piano than me when he was in sixth year like he's just you bring you bring him to a gig and he plays cello and trumpet and electric guitar and he's got all these pedals and he goes to synths then and yeah just a genius kind of keeps you on your toes as well i suppose like that you always have to kind of uh keep moving 
yeah pretty much who's this guy coming up and all but um he's doing great like and you know he's he's young so god yeah how do you how do you think uh your own music or your own style of playing has changed from the first album or like how how are you writing now is it is it much different to what went before the writing is probably similar but maybe the songs aren't as I played in a lot of orchestras when I was young and I, I, I learned classical piano first and I played trad too so that was good for my year and it wasn't as regimented as, as, as classical piano but I I couldn't write songs with less than three chords you know with three chords or less for a long time I, I, th- I thought I thought they were maybe inferior you know and I mean that's not the case obviously it's, re- it's the hardest thing I think is to write a song with three chords and write a tune or a melody that, that sounds original over that um, and I suppose working with Davy and people like Cormac and my drummer and my bassist, and I'm realizing how important rhythm is and groove. Um, it's in groove. It makes me sound like Pat Kenny. Um, groove. <laughs> um, but yeah, I suppose with 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 Ivory Towers, we, we were kind of chasing a particular sound that I don't really know what is, but it kind of started with myth that it's a bit more. I won't say edgy, but you know. There's a, I, I was experimenting more with, with synths, I suppose, and beats, and I suppose a less um, a less dense texture musically, you know, with lots of strings going on, there was a lot of space, more space, I suppose. Yeah. And we we were kind of talking before uh, we pressed record just about uh, kind of writer's block. I've, I've, did you experience that at all, like in the months... In the months after Dreamcatcher, I suppose? I don't know when you decided to start writing new material. Yeah, I did. Um to be honest, you know, and I suppose you're in that space too of, of playing all over the country and playing those songs live and you kind of, it becomes comfortable and even a little bit maybe complacent sometimes or, or um, stale if you don't change things up, even the songs. So it was nice um, when, uh, yeah, just little things I suppose in my life, you know, a breakup or your grandmother passing away or seeing something mad at night, you know, and I suppose you kind of, I I think there's always this perception that songs fall out of the air. Some do, but it's about like point zero zero one percent of the time. I think it's work, and you know you might have a wonderful idea, um, but you don't know how to start it, you know, or a phrase, or a tune, or a rhythm, or uh, you know, um, a lick, whatever. Everything starts in a different way, but you know you you read about people like Nick Cave who go into their office every day, you know, for six hours and. It's like throwing shit at the wall and some of it will stick and the rest is just, you know. So there's this romantic notion that I think I had that literally, you know, like Mozart, this tune will come out of the, the sky, but it doesn't it doesn't happen that way. You have to you have to work at it and it's exhausting sometimes. It's like getting into a cage with a tiger or, you know, and then you write something and you look back at it a week later and you're like, that's absolute horse shit, like, you know. So you have to find that balance, I suppose. Is, is that something that... It- you didn't really have on the first album just because you know as as you said in the press release for myth last year that like you kind of have 10 years to write it to write your first album yeah you do and a whole life of experience you're very arrogant when you're younger too you know you think you're the shit i did when i was in college and i prided myself on, on what i was listening to and I, i'd write songs i suppose that tried to um aspire to a certain style or singer even and I, I was a good imitator even from a songwriting point of view yeah as you get older you realize there's a lot of talent out there and <laughs> you know what i mean even in cork there's incredible 
diversity of songwriting and making music you know is is that something that you see in other acts that oh they're too indebted to this artist they're very influenced by like that artist no um like like can you can you don't spot it or you don't well i do i can see influences we all have them you know even i was saying about prince and boy but it's, it's what you can take and make your own you know it's it's literally um even we went to see kathy davy last night and I, I just do this you know maybe there's a closet music journalism or journalist inside of me but it, but like when i heard her songs i was going okay bush you know stack soul um punk patty smith you know jack brell i can't help it but like she still sounds like kathy davy she's all of those things in there and do up and you know but no one could do take all of those things and make a stew of them, and you know she's probably not even conscious of it. You know, you just absorb all all these different things, and I'm the same, and I think everybody else is. You know, like a whimper. Who, who do they sound like? I don't know, but you, I can hear a certain. You know, even when Phil is playing piano, I can hear Harry Nilsson, and um, you know, even bits of uh, Brian Wilson. Um, but he doesn't sound like them. Just certain things he'll do are evocative of that. Yeah, but like they've said it themselves that, you know, it took three albums for them to actually sound like O Emperor, how they wanted to sound, you know, the first album. Do they think that Jason is them? Absolutely. Uh, I think so, yeah. Yeah. Like it's, I guess it's just the journey that they've been on as well. But I mean, the first album, it's very obvious who it sounds like. It came out at the time of Mumford and Sons as well. And they got signed to a record label on the back of it as well. It took them like nine years, eight, like, I mean, Vitreous is really, really great as well and that was them kind of like really finding their feet so it took them at least five or six years together to figure it all out that's 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 um comforting to know, <laughs> to know. Um, and, and then they split up once they they out. <laughs> what a beautiful swan song though to be to be nominated you know it's, it's great it's great be nominated for the choice prize yeah, yeah. It's, it's great i'm drinking um, out of um marlene enright's choice prize cup at the moment <laughs> Uh, she was great that night as well. I saw, I saw the um, I, I went up to the live event and all of the acts played, and she did a couple of songs yeah. and she performed with uh, Gemma Sugru mm. as well, who yeah, you're friends with too. It was a, it was a great performance. It, it was must wonderful. Be, yeah, it, it must be so nice to and and kind of challenging as well to be best mates with these like prolific uh, music creators as well. It's great, and you know we, we've we've been. We've been friends since college, you know, in, in, in Cork, and, and my band are the same. We, we all, it's a nice little circle we have. Yeah, and I suppose just even on the CP, Gemma singing on two tracks, you know, with me. Um, I was, I said, there's a little bit of Shaka Khan in this track, and I just call her in, you know. Um, and Marlene is actually, actually, I started a song, the last song on this album. It actually sounded like a Marlene Enright song. So instead of pretending and, and kind of keep going with it, I was like, Marlene, this is... Because she uses the pentatonic kind of Chinese scale, which makes her songs sound so unique. You can have to explain that to me. Normally, like, harmony in, in the West anyway, like, if, even if it's rock, is like... You know, it's thirds, just two notes apart. Whereas she kind of goes... You know, it the, there's a there's a there's a different um, divide of notes. It's it's fourths, which sounds oriental, you know, in a very stereotypical way. But she uses a lot of that, and I started. I don't know why. Maybe like, her, I I totally loved her album, especially the song "Little Things." I thought that was really cool. But um, 
So I started this song and I was just honest enough to say, look, this sounds like, I think it sounds a little bit like something on, on um, uh, placemats. placemats and second quotes. Sorry. And uh, sorry, Marlene. And uh, <laughs> so I called her in and we, we wrote it together. It was cool. And that, again, that's another example of collaboration. You know, that happens a lot. You I, I think when I wrote Naivety, actually, there's a really great songwriter around who, who has never recorded an album, I don't think, or an EP called Dear Mid O'Leary. Um, he's got a voice like Roy Orbison and he writes beautiful tunes, just simple songs, but so well crafted. And the, the melody in that was very like a tune that he wrote and I only realized it two years later, you know, <laughs> he didn't sue me anyway. It's inevitable, you know, um, that that happens. You think you come up with this amazing riff and it's it's Deep Purple or something. Everything's been done before. Yeah. It's just about doing it differently, you know. So that was cool. So that song is on the album too. It's called Snow Globe. Um, I don't know what it is, but it's it's mad actually. But it's cool. We're doing it as a duet on the album. I I should ask about a really cool thing that you did. The Marlene did last year playing with the orchestra at Cork Opera House. You did it the first year. I did of yeah. the festival. That must have been nice to kind of hear your songs at their fullest. It was, and I genuinely they lend themselves to that. You know, I mean. When John told me that he was going to be orchestrating the album, I was like, brilliant. Because he, he gets that. Um, like, that's one of the things I think about your music. It's quite theatrical very, as well. It sounds yeah. like it can be, yeah. Like that. Very much. Um, you know, and it was cool to have the band and the orchestra. And yeah, he just he did a great job. And it was cool to play the album in its entirety with, with one new song. You know, it, it was like it was, it was like the cherry in the top just going you know, the support to, to get that from the opera host and to recognise, I suppose, something they considered a g- good piece of work. And the same with Marlene last year. I thought Cormac McCarthy actually did, did this, arrange the strings on Myth and he did Marlene's stuff live. His dad, Johnny, is an amazing traditional musician and Cormac, you know, learned classical piano and he went on to get into jazz and study at Berkeley. So he's got three different traditions there so all is all the fiddle all the strings on myth sound like fiddles they, they've kind of they, they sound a bit rawer than just you know ah, you know um he's a great arranger and he he pr- he heard that oriental thing in marlene's music and he brought in like the celeste and stuff that would you know heighten that you know in in an orchestral sphere yeah it was amazing i i, I was so nervous you can't help it like and I, I played with orchestras as a kid but when you're coming out in the grand piano and you've got cellos and tubas and it's mad and a conductor you know and there's something formal about it even though it's not you know i was trying to go think you're think you're lars ulrich and you know snm but no <laughs> you can't do that at a piano you know is it is it almost um like you're missing something then that like let's say the next day if you sat at your piano and tried to try to write something did it feel like oh, how do i how do i do this again without like 50 players behind me it can do and i i think i've always felt that big is better but excuse the pun but um yeah i i don't know I, I as i said maybe maybe that's telling that the new album i think the new ep i mean some of it is, is quite there's a lot of interweaving stuff going on but i think overall it's sparser you know it's guitar bass drums synth or piano i, I got an album a few years ago by by um paul buchanan who was you know one of my favorite bands um tinseltown in the rain um the blue nile He'd been kind of dormant for a while and he released this devastatingly sad, beautiful piano album. But just piano and his voice and little smidgeens of electronica. And I, I loved the space on that. And I was kind of going, that can be sometimes more effective than having a full symphony orchestra. You know? 
Are you always learning when you're listening to music? Like, do, do, not that you would sit down, put on a record and like sit with a notebook. Like when you hear something interesting, you're like, oh, that's something that I can use. Yeah, totally. I want some of that. Absolutely. Even last night with, with Caddy Davy, I, 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 there was a chorus of like a tune called Snitch. And it was just so amazing, like the chords she was using and how she built it up and her her drummer and her guitarist are just incredible. Um, so yeah, you're constantly kind of going, could I could I bring that into what I do, you know, whatever it might be. So yeah, and I think sometimes you're not even conscious of doing it. You just you sit down at the piano and as I did with, you know, Snowglobe and you end up with a Marilyn Enright song, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so what are the plans for the rest of the year? You're releasing Ivory Towers at the start of March. Yeah. And then? And then I'm doing... Um, Playing Cypress Avenue on the 1st of March. 1st of March, Cypress Avenue. Um, Dolan's on the 8th of March. Um, I'll be playing, I think, the Workman's Club, but that's that's being currently organised in Dublin. Um, I'm playing Putney in London. Um, I'll probably be doing a date at the, the Cultural Centre in Paris. Um, Ooh. Yeah. Doing a nice gig in the INEC too around around the album tour. With, with It's kind of a coil liner with Cry Monster Cry. Um, Roisin Dove Galway yeah so and maybe a Belfast one too and then and then you're into festival season yeah and maybe writing another album you know ah. so like are, are you thinking of it as an EP or are you thinking of it as a mini album or what are you calling Ivory Towers um, a myriad of songs <laughs> a myriad of songs I mean it, like an album does still feel like the be all and end all of an artist yeah. even in you know the the streaming age i mean people could put up a song a week i mean even ariana grande who's who released thank you next is just a standalone single last year and it was it was probably better than anything on her uh sweetener album which was released earlier in the she's year she's a good singer i think and yeah she's she's an amazing singer i don't think uh i don't know i think people can be a little harsh on her sometimes I well, think arita, she's arita, a great... arita franklin liked her so yeah. there you go you know but she released a new single then last week but then there's an they're both going to feature on an album as well. It seems like people always think about the idea of releasing a song, but it's just the album is always the end goal. Yeah, I think so. But it's funny, and even a lot of people I've chatted to uh, in the industry think that that idea has kind of changed. You know, I think I even feel I have to do this album. I have to, you know. But I, I felt I, I wrote five songs for this collection, whatever it is. Um. And I, I, not that I couldn't, I just felt the five of them fit together, including Mitt. Uh, Mitt was kind of like the centerpiece that everything else was written around. And it was like, this stands on its own, it doesn't need anything else. You know, in the meantime, you're writing a lot of piano ballads or uh, rockier tunes, but they, ha- they have to fit, you know. And I maybe learned that, like, that if you, if you release a collection, I love being, I love stuff that's jarring, but it's nice to have something that you feel is a piece of work, you know, it's like a string of pearls that kind of it's cohesive so you're gonna keep working away and and something else hopefully later in the year maybe um yeah yeah i I hope so and and, you know more collaborations um would be cool i think that kind of happens organically so who's i'll ask just a a classic lazy question like who's a dream collaborator oh um mavis staples (laughs) she's doing hosier you know maybe she'll come down to court sometime Well, I, 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 I don't. It's one of the things I feel like I'm always like an imposter when I try to sing R and B or soul, black soul. You know, I just 
I'd rather be like David Byrne and almost send myself up trying to do it or Elvis Castello in those videos when he's trying to be like the four tops and he just looks awkward. Um, I have to learn to dance first, you know. Yeah, okay. Well, Mavis Staples, she might be around around these parts when Hosier plays uh, Musgrave Park. Yeah, her country uh, counterpoint. Um, I'd, I'd love to sing with Emily Harris. I, I, I would love to. Cool. Um, put, the, put the feelers out there. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, she recorded a McFlannery song, so she probably knows where Cork is, you know. <laughs> Um, who knows like we're we're going to end with the piano version of Ivory Towers like do you actually have streaming in mind when you're thinking about like I can put like these different versions of tracks up on the EP like and the that might get into this playlist on Spotify that might get into this other playlist on Spotify is that something you actively think about or is it just something if it it happens it it happens it's something I should you know because I mean I'm still kind of in the headspace of like CD, CD baby, and you know. But I think Spotify and playlisting is is where it's all at. And luckily, I have you know a great management and um, that are looking at that. You know, like Myth got into a lot of playlists. I suppose that other stuff mightn't have, and they're good at like going, oh, this is quite alternative, or this might work for the new new Irish sound that 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 um, other voices um, are put together. So, yeah, I mean. They could use the the pop the more poppy version for um, one playlist, and then this one for acoustic or whatever, you know, melancholia, <laughs> you know, playlist of the week. I don't know, but I, I mean, it's something I should probably think more about. I think particularly anyone under the age of thirty five who go to gigs. I think I think it's really worked for people like Talis, and I think Owen did a really good job at that. So I guess we'll finish up with Ivory Terries. Do you want to tell us about the creation of the song? We're going to hear the piano version. So there's another version on the collection of yeah. songs that's going to be uh, coming out. Tell tell me about this track and why you decided to do a piano version of it as well. So it's, yeah, I, again, I I, um, I wrote it at the piano and I just thought it had a really pretty melody. And it's kind of about, you know how mad the world is at the moment and it even has a little reference to trump and it's kind of it's 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 definitely a happier collection than than the dreamcatcher maybe that's about you know meeting someone cool and maybe changing your outlook but yeah i i i think the piano version is there's something really the way it was recorded and it's not perfect even tuning wise but there's something really i think raw about it in terms of what it's trying to say about about you know the whole idea of ivory tours i, I was actually I used to love the never-ending story as a kid, you know, the film, or the book, actually. Just the idea that everything would come crashing down, you know, but but to give it a go anyway, you know. As, cool. vague, as vague as that sounds. <laughs> That's a, that sounds good enough for me. Well, listen, thanks for the chat. Cool, thanks a million, Owen. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate yeah, it. And uh, best of luck with the release. We're going to listen to the final track on that collection. It's called Ivory Towers. Kept in exile It's like a mini history So put our famine into flight Shedding shame my colors saw Speaking in magic tongues Make love in reruns 
Crashing waves upon your shore evermore Young ones painting dreams like rainbow showers Embracing possibilities, soul to soul Ivory towers Ivory towers Neighbors whisper venom and all musings You kiss me in lingers We're tearing down broken regimes They tear at the seams We're on the cusp of riding waves Far from bombs and orange men I've shown you my fragility You vulnerable comedian so tango in me in the dark Kiss me in the still of night Lay with me in sandals Skin on skin and pale moonlight Young ones painting dreams like rainbow showers Embracing possibilities soul to soul Ivory Towers Ivory Towers Neighbors whisper venom in old musings You kiss me in lingers We're tearing down broken regimes They tear at the seams There's never been a better Never been a better me Shadows kept in exile Let's lock them into history